The following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new. Well, good morning, everybody. So glad that you have joined us this Sunday morning at Irving Bible Church. And I'm so sad that I can't be there with you in person. But by the time you see this, I will literally be on a plane headed to India. This is a place and a people that have been on the hearts and minds of Irving Bible Church for over 25 years. And so I'm really excited to get the chance to be there and to see this place and to meet these people that we've been thinking about and praying about for such a long, long time. And I can't wait to get back and to tell you guys all about it. But this is the first Sunday of Lent, and normally I would turn over this Sunday to one of the very capable members of our preaching team, but with this being a new season and a new series, I really wanted to have the opportunity to kind of set that up for all of you. And so I've asked our team to create this short video that kind of sets up the season and the series, and then Cicely will be out in a little while to guide us through the remainder of our time of reflection and response. So here we are, the first Sunday of Lent, And one of the things that was so interesting for us in our recent demographic survey is to recognize that one-third of our congregation that responded to the survey, right, one-third of our people are new to IBC since 2021. A third of our congregation that have joined us just here in the last three years. But that means there are a lot of you for whom Lent may not be something that you're all that familiar with. Maybe it's something that still is kind of new to you and you don't really understand. And so I wanted to share a little bit about what this season is all about and then to, to set it up with the passage of Scripture that's going to guide us through these six weeks. The season of Lent is a season of surrender. It's a season that isn't something that's mandated for us in the Bible. It's not a, a command for us to follow. It's something that the early church, in its wisdom, set aside a time, a, a season, 40 days, to prepare for the commemoration of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. It's a season, we say, of reflection, repentance, and renewal. A time where we do some deep spiritual introspection to to help us name before God and to bring before him those patterns in our lives, those patterns of, of thinking and behaving and relating that hold us back, that trip us up, and that choke the life out of our soul. And it's an opportunity for us to to come before God and ask him to undo some of those patterns in us. And of course, this is something that we ought to be doing all year long. And yet the ancient church, in its wisdom, recognized that we needed a, a, a dedicated time to do that introspective work and a time for us to surrender those things over to God. So we're calling this series A Season of Surrender. And uh, one of the things that's very common in the observance of Lent is to give something up, uh, an ancient practice that just says to set something aside for this 40-day season as a practice of self-denial, but, but also something that's a part of my everyday normal life and routine that's just a reminder of the reality that I am in Lent. I'm observing this season of reflection, repentance, and renewal. But in addition to giving something up for Lent, There's also a tradition of taking something on, a new practice, a new discipline that's intended to help us go deeper in our life with God during this season. And and for us together this year at IBC, we want to engage in taking something on together, and that is the memorization of Scripture. 
And what we want to do is we want to take the passage that's going to be at the heart of this sermon series, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 17, and collectively commit to memorize these 17 verses over the course of the next six weeks. In this sermon series, we'll be walking through this passage a piece at a time and, and encouraging you all to memorize each piece as we move our way through. What we find in Colossians 3, 1 to 17 is the heart of Paul's teaching on the spiritual life. It's one of the most powerful and profound and impactful articulations of what it looks like to follow Jesus, what it looks like to live the Christian spiritual life that we find anywhere in the pages of the New Testament. And this morning, we're going to look just at the beginning of this passage, Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4. And I think when you look at this passage, what you're going to see is that there are four foundational truths to the Christian life that are embedded here, four truths that set up everything that'll come after in the remainder of this passage. And then there's one imperative for us to apply, four truths for us to understand, for us to embrace, for us to know, and then one imperative for us to apply to our lives. Let's look together at what Paul says, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I think we see here four truths, those truths reflected in the tenses of the verbs that Paul uses. He says, you died. He says, you have been raised. He says, you are hidden. And he says, you will be glorified. All right, first you died. You see it there in verse three. I mean, straightforward. Paul just says, for you died. And and we have to pause and say, wait, what does that mean? I, I, I died to what? Well, part of what Paul is getting at here is that you died to the penalty of sin and you died to the power of sin. You see, when we hear the good news of the gospel, what Jesus has done for us, his death and resurrection, when we trust in what Christ has done for us, then we so identify with him that Paul can say that we died with him. And that death is a death to the penalty of sin and to the power of sin. Many of us gathered at IBC on Wednesday night for Ash Wednesday. And it's one of the most powerful things for me as a pastor to have the opportunity to look people dead in the eye and to say to them the words of Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Paul says, you sin, you die. That that, that sin follows death like night follows day. This is the penalty for sin. And yet when we trust in Christ, we recognize we no longer are bound by that penalty. We have died with him. Therefore, we've died to the penalty of sin. We've died to the penalty of sin. We've died to the power of sin. In Romans chapter six, a little bit earlier in verse six and seven, Paul says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Paul says we should no longer be slaves to sin. That that implies the reality that before our trusting in Christ for our salvation, before our being delivered from the penalty of sin, that we were sin's slaves. We were being ruled by its power in our lives, that, that we were powerless against it. But what Paul says here is that because we have died with Christ, 
We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer ruled by its power. The only power that sin has in our lives is the power that we give it. And so we have to learn over and over and over again to remind our hearts, sin is not my master. Sin is not my master. I'm no longer a slave to sin because I died with Christ. The the first truth of this passage we've got to see is you died. You died with Christ. But then he says, in addition to that, you have been raised right there. Verse one, since then, you have been raised with Christ. We identify with him in a death like his and and we're raised to new life with a life like his. It's one of the things we see so poignantly portrayed in the act of baptism, going down into the water, identifying with his death, coming out of the water, being raised to new life. And new life means new power. That Paul says elsewhere that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive inside of you, the power of the Holy Spirit. That that, that we have a power from outside of ourselves that we can't generate in and of ourselves. And this is so crucial for us in understanding this spiritual life. We need a power beyond ourselves from outside of ourselves to enable us to follow Jesus, to enable us to, to overcome sin and temptation, to live the way of God, to follow the way of Jesus. We have new life, and because of that, we have new power. You died with Christ. You have been raised with Christ. And then the third thing that Paul says, the third third truth that we see, is that you are hidden. Look back in verse 3. Your life, he says, is now hidden with Christ in God. And this imagery of hidden just implies secure. Think about when you were a kid playing hide-and-go-seek. Um, and, and not like when you were three and you hid behind a lamppost and put your hands over your eyes, right? I'm talking when you were getting a little older, maybe 12, 13, you're playing with your friends at night and, and you are looking for the perfect hiding place, right? And you remember that feeling when you found a place to hide, but, but you knew it was not really secure, right? You knew that in that place you were vulnerable. And so maybe you, you could make a run for it. But then also you would sometimes find that place that you just knew nobody can get to me here. That's part of the image of hidden. And imagine it, hidden with Christ in God. Can you imagine any place that is more secure? To be hidden with Christ in God. As secure as Christ is, we are. And this is really good news because despite the fact that we have been freed from the penalty of sin and freed from the power of sin, we still live in the presence of sin. It's it's all around us. And we still have within us the deeply ingrained patterns of sin. And so that can leave us feeling vulnerable. It can leave us feeling afraid. It can leave us feeling ashamed. And so there's something so profoundly important about this teaching that you are hidden with Christ in God. As secure as Christ is, you are. I am. You died, you have been raised, and you are hidden. And then finally, what we see is that Paul talks about you will be glorified. Look back there in verse four. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. 
Paul is pointing here to the reality that, that we talk a lot about at IBC, that there is coming a day when Christ will return and, and he will reunite heaven and earth. That, that there's coming a day when, when he will come and he will establish justice and peace. There's coming a day when, when, when he will return and he will take everything that is wrong with the world and make it right. Everything broken with the world and make it whole. Everything marred with this world and make it beautiful. And what Paul is doing here is he's saying, what will be true in that day of, of all creation will be true in that day of you. When Christ, whose your life appears, you will appear with him in glory. You will be glorified. That means that everything wrong with you will be made right. Everything broken in you will be made whole. Everything marred in you will be made beautiful. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. Four foundational truths that we see in this passage. You died, you have been raised, you are hidden, and you will be glorified. So what then is the imperative in all this? Well, it's right there, back in the middle of verse one. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Right? Paul uses this twin language of set your hearts and set your minds in it. In both cases, it's on things above. The way I might paraphrase this is that we're to fix our focus on the things of God, right? One singular imperative embedded here in this text, to fix our focus on the things of God. The language that Paul uses implies more than merely our mental state, what we're thinking about, or more than merely our emotional state, how we feel, but it really does get to the idea of our attention, our affection, and our allegiance. Set your attention, your affection, your allegiance on the things of God of God, which causes us to pause and to ask, what do we have our attention set on? Uh, What have we given our affection to? Where are our allegiances? Because we live in a world that is filled with all kinds of things vying for our attention. And we've talked about the idea that, that in this day and age, we have to pay attention to what we pay attention to as if our life depended on it, because it does. What gets our attention? What has our affection? What, what stirs our hearts? Right? What, what are our desires oriented toward? What do we love? And our allegiance, where is our loyalty? What do we give ourselves over to? And I think, quite frankly, friends, that there are no more important questions for us to ask at the beginning of the season of Lent than those. What has my attention? Where are my affections? What have I given my allegiance to? Four truths. You died. You have been raised. You are hidden. You will be glorified. One imperative. Fix your focus on the things of God. Your affection, your attention, your allegiance. Now, Sissy's going to come back out and guide us through a time of reflection and response. four foundational truths. You died. You died to the penalty of sin. You died to the power of sin. Friends, sin is not your master because you died. But secondly, you have been raised. You have been raised to new life and with new life comes new power through the Spirit of God. 
You died, you have been raised, and you are hidden. You are hidden with Christ and God. You are safe, you are secure, you are loved by the God of the universe. You died, you have been raised, you are hidden, and finally, you will be glorified. You know, the older I get, the less things I'm really sure about in life. But this one thing I know, there will be a day when King Jesus will return and he will right every wrong and he will fix all that is broken in our world and in each one of us. And on that day, you will be glorified. That day is sure and that day is coming, friends. Four foundational truths that lead us to one response, one imperative. Fix your focus on the things of God. Barry shared three questions for us to consider as we begin this season of Lent. What has your attention? What has your affection? And what has your allegiance? What has your attention? What are you paying attention to more than God? What is distracting you from the things of God? What has your affection? What do you love more than God in this moment? What has your allegiance? Who or what has your loyalty, your devotion more than God? Before we come to the table this morning, I just want to give us a few moments to quiet our hearts uh, in the silence of our hearts, right where you are in your seats, to reflect on these three questions, to talk to the Lord about them as we examine our hearts. I'll give you a few moments to do that, and then I'll pray, and then we'll, we'll come to the table together. Let's examine our hearts. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are covered, whose sins are forgiven. Father, we thank you for the grace and forgiveness we have from you because of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we are set free from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin. We thank you that you have raised us to new life, empowered by the Spirit of God. And we thank you that we are safe and that we are secure and that we are loved unconditionally by you. Not because of our performance, but because of Jesus' performance on our behalf. And God, we long for the day when King Jesus will return, when he will fix all that is broken in our world and in each one of us. But until that day, would you help us to fix our focus on you? Draw our attention to you, stir our affections for you. And may we give you our allegiance for you and you alone are worthy of our praise and of our lives. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new.